Well, hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for downloading and listening to our Computers and Writing 2023 podcast episode. The title of our presentation is The Hybrid Mind of Podcasting, Journeys in and Through Hybrid Pedagogical Spaces in PTC Programs. My name is Dr. Scott Kowalski. I'm a faculty member at Central Michigan University, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Bill Williamson of SVSU, Saginaw Valley State University, and Steve Benninghoff of Eastern Michigan University. Um, and I think I want to get started with our presentation today uh, by sharing the intro to our proposal. And I swear it'll be the only thing that I read through this presentation. Um, but I think it does a really good way of structuring kind of where we're coming from with our thinking in this presentation. And then uh, I, I likely our, our conversation will will deviate from the rigid structure of our proposal to be more conversational, more organic. Uh, but let me get started with this. We write as PTW teachers and scholars, we are always writers, writing with words, writing with visuals, writing with sound, and writing with dynamic content. But we need to better engender what writing is, excuse me, that writing is design. In our PTW courses, the ultimate goal is for students to understand that design redefines communication as a coherent activity, unifying people, spaces, and ideas. In that way, all writing is always hybrid. And to illustrate that today, we want to share our experiences pulling in uh, podcasting and audio production in our professional technical writing courses, and in particular, share some of those experiences, share why we think podcasting and audio production is a core element of, uh, of, of that sort of writing is always hybrid perspective, how we frame podcasting and audio production as, as problem solving and information design. Uh, and then also we want to share some uh, some stories or some of our experiences in in um, assignment design and in course design. So I'll welcome in my co-presenters here, Bill and Steve. How are you guys doing? Doing good so far. Ready to go. So I know in our in our uh, proposal we kind of have a, a sort of typical speaker structure here, um, but I thought we might get started with. Um, kind of talking about where we say like uh, sort of this writing is hybrid design uh, through podcasting and dynamic audio design. Um, what do we mean by that? <laughs> we mean so many things by that, actually. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the few genres, I think, or one of the few emerging modes of communication where we really have an opportunity to capture so many more dimensions of our, of our, well, so many more rhetorical dimensions specifically of our communication process where it's no longer just words. It's not words on a screen or words on a page. They're, they're words coming across in a voice and no matter whose voice that is, that carries dimensions and possibilities for expressiveness dynamics for the content that makes it so much different. And, and it makes that experience that's actually my theme that I'll be exploring here. It makes that experience of the moment so much richer than when we are reading off of the page. Even when, so there, there are a handful of authors that because I've heard them speak either through video or audio or live or because of people that I know, when I read their work, I hear their voice in my head. And that's as close to podcasting as it could possibly get, I think. Um, but podcasting is one of those things where I no longer have to rely on what I've experienced in the past I'm getting that authentic register of who that person is by listening to their voice in the in the 
the dynamics of it as I'm experiencing them talking to me. And I think another way of thinking about that question of sort of authenticity. Um, so one of the, the themes for, for the class or for the pre presentation is engagement and ways that we can get students more engaged and involved in it. And students are remarkably aware of their own tonal variations when they speak in what community. They have very, it's a strange thing to say, but very advanced tacit rhetorical awareness where it comes to voice, the use of voice, the ways they embody these different identities in different sort of communities and groups. And so a big part of sort of um, what I'm going to be talking about is, is like, how do we develop equity? What I mean by equity in that situation is getting students to feel like they already have um, skills and abilities and helping them sort of articulate that. And that really comes across, I think, as, as Bill has said, and Scott will be saying that there's so many different dimensions to the ways podcasting brings voice into the game and um, helps students think very differently about the way they are performing in, in their college education and their budding professionalization. Well, and I think it's some of those reasons, Steve, that, you know, the, the sort of broader field of, of rhetoric and writing studies started to, um, started growing interest in audio production, you know, probably about 15, 20 years or so ago, um, you know, there was Cindy Self's article that came out in 2009. Um, and, and right. We, we sort of saw the ways or, or, or you know, colleagues were arguing for ways that, that audio complements writing that audio deviates from writing some of the different rhetorical strategies and, 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 and nuances as well as the knowledges that students bring to audio production that, you know, that, that parallel, but, you know, also deviate from, from writing. And, and, you know, often that was in the spirit of, of multimodality, thinking about the ways that um, contemporary information design, contemporary communication design uh, needs to have an understanding of not just textual modes, but audio modes and, and visual modes as well, and sort of how all those work together. And so, right, we see that our students, many of them live in a very, um, you know, live in spaces where they're constantly inundated with all these, all these modes. And so, right, the things that they take with them into our classroom from those experiences often really inform their work, even if, even if it's not, you know, even if they're not consciously thinking about it all the time, they have that awareness of, of how audio communicates and, and, and how audio and text and video together communicate in, in, in different kinds of ways. Well, I'm going to use that as a segue into um, in the first of our threads that we proposed here, which is the experience. And so again, Bill Williamson here, and I'm listed as, as speaker one, but my, my contribution here is to talk a little bit about the transformation of our program that I'll actually credit Scott with in, in primary part, at least to launching it. When he joined our faculty and he was at SVSU, as many of you know, before he um, before he, he headed off to, to Central Michigan in recent years, and he brought with us an emphasis on, on audio from his prior educational and professional experiences 
and began to infuse some of that stuff into courses. And I was already dabbling in video, well, more than dabbling in video. I was already doing some courses that were really, really built around video production, but I hadn't done much with audio alone before Scott arrived. And so for about the last decade, we've gone from a, a space in our program and in our individual courses where audio began as a reach where we, it was a new exploration of something that was, well, a, a journey of discovery for a lot of students, just as it was a discovery for most of us faculty, um, Scott being the exception there. And it has come to a point where audio is such a, uh, a central part of what we do that um, I'm actually teaching a course this semester where we're using audio as part of the drafting process rather than seeing it as an end production it's actually part of the ideation and reflection portion of the course in ways that it's never been, even for me before when I've been exploring these kinds of things for a while. So to talk a little bit about that journey, though, um, so Scott coming along and opening up this possibility that we might begin thinking about and exploring audio prompted us to seek the um, seek funding so we could build our first podcasting studio it was it was humble and that's okay it was a good beginning um, and when we saw the impact that it had we sought additional funds and extended and, ex and expanded and um, and upgraded the, the the quality of the materials that we made available to our students and the the quality of the experience that we were able to do for them but at the same time our program was going through this evolution sparked by people like, uh, well, the collection from John Dan, Johnson Alola, and Stuart Selber from about a decade ago that was technical communication as problem solving. And there's an incredible array of authors that are represented in there that are, that are opening up that as a conversation within technical communication. And as part of that, we began seeing technical communication is problem solving much more. And we were always on that wavelength, but we began consciously embracing that throughout our curriculum, level by level, layer by layer. And in parallel to that, so sound and, and problem solving coming together, we begin to see as we explore things like recording research sessions, um, that when we begin introducing usability studies more or integrating usability studies more into the curriculum, the phrase user experience design has become incredibly powerful in our program. And that the, the experience part of it, complemented by problem solving and expressed through audio, has created this incredibly, well, it's a unifying moment, but it's also, it changes the dynamic of what our students do. It changes the dynamic of how our students think programmatically about what it means to do the work of technical communication. And so, again, all of those things coming together, I began shifting the way that I talk about technical communication as problem solving from creating documents, from creating content, from creating things that we put out into the world and instead begin changing the conversation to creating experiences. So that's a challenge in and of itself and it's a reach. And for students, especially early in the program, it's a leap and they have a, they have a big problem. Well, they have, they have a struggle, I should say, 
trying to get there. And when we begin looking at documents that they recognize, they can't see how that's an experience. Text on the page, images on the page. They don't know how to experience that. But as soon as we get to the portion of the, of the semester where we begin exploring podcasting, now all of a sudden, experience makes sense to them. And when we start talking about how their, their understanding of communication can extend into shaping other people's experiences through sound and through words expressed audibly, suddenly there's an opening that happens and they begin to see a way of communicating that to them feels more personal, more authentic, more connected to their own identity, more meaningful and richer in so many different ways. And it's a, it's a turning point for them. And because I emphasize it so early in their experience, because I often do it in my 200 level classes, it becomes a transformation and it changes the way that they evolve as technical communicators compared to what I've seen in years past. Steve, you're looking to jump in on something there. Well, I, just, I just wanted to point out that what you're explaining is it connects to that word hybrid. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, that they, in, in coming to this idea of authenticity or coming to these, like they, they're recognizing that they have multiple identities, they have multiple roles that they play, but this, it's, it's oddly contradictory that that idea of, um, multiple roles and multiple shifts and what they do with their voice and the roles is hybrid. <clears throat> so we say it's more authentic, even though they're realizing, well, I have many authenticities, I guess. Right. And they feel like suddenly once they've turned that corner, once they've opened up that set of possibilities that they can understand what it means to help other people experience information in new ways. So prior to the introduction of podcasting, the one assignment that would get them looking at information as an experience was actually participating in the construction of an online museum where that was the mode or that was the shift that I had to make for them where they would start to see, okay, museums are things we walk through. Museums are things that we, that we it's, a, it's a process of discovery or rediscovery. And they could see that as experience, but we often didn't get to that point until later in the program. So now, introducing them to audio early on, now when they get to the point where they're doing things like thinking about online museums or thinking about um, games, for example, which I implement into my information architecture class because of the patterns that are inherent in, in understanding how to play a game and then experiencing a game, so when they get to that point, now they've got a different perspective on all of these things in terms of the experience, and they're much more ready to think of how to practice empathy, how to understand needs and expectations, how to um, think about impact, and how to monitor or meter those things themselves and to be more conscious and more... Um, I'm not even sure what word I'm looking for here, but more, more, more critically aware and more, um, more purposeful in the way that they engage with others. And they see this as my responsibility is to construct and to, and to share, but that my responsibility is really to try to figure out how to connect. And that's more than words on a page, more than words on a screen, even more than video or audio alone. It's, there, there's an intent as a creator that is so different than just 
what they were what they were thinking of themselves as doing prior to that. So thinking about those kinds of things, either of you guys, I mean, so you're both doing a lot of things in your classes that are engaging with podcasting and that are trying to push students into a place where they are they're thinking of their responsibilities to others in more complex ways than we may have traditionally done. What kinds of things are coming out of your classes or out of the research that you're doing that echo some of those things that I'm talking about? Well, <clears throat> I, I wanted to, yeah, I kind of wanted to piggyback off that because, and again, this is, this is maybe a little bit more anecdotal, but you know, it, I, when I, when I first started teaching way back when as a, as a grad student, I, multimodality made a lot of sense to me and I really embraced it. And, th and that comes partly because of my background in, in, in electronic media production. And so I was always having students do some kind of, of multimodal project in my composition and my tech comp classes, but I think it wasn't until like, like podcasting in particular um, that that became a core focus of what I was doing that it took what, what, what students I think otherwise saw sort of like a novel, like, oh, this is kind of interesting. We're doing some of this stuff in a writing class to like now them seeing how, how audio production was central to the kind of information to design that they might be expected to do as professionals. And, and, you know, to your point, Bill, about like having that first podcast studio, which yeah, you know, was kind of humble, but there was something about that, that physical space that then legitimized how that work was part of our core to the program. Um, and, and students saw that then as a space that they could, um, that they could, that they could use uh, as a way to create things that were more, um, more robust, more professional sounding um, and more important to the work that they were doing. Yeah. There's definitely a sense of them equating being on a microphone with having a different level of professionalism. I mean, because they, they've all experienced radio, they've all experienced, you know, music and, and audiobooks and podcasts and stuff as, as they were growing up, so to speak, or or maturing as as um, people and professionals. But then for them to be the ones on the microphones, of course, when they get past that initial moment of intimidation, they often find a voice that they never knew that they had, or maybe they knew that they had, but they never had a way of expressing before. And in fact, in my classes over the last three years, as we've struggled with going into and then and trying to emerge from the pandemic, the assignments where the students have consistently performed with the greatest authority, effectiveness, and confidence are the audio assignments. And I did not expect that at all. They have struggled far more with their writing the the blank page has been more intimidating to them to address with a keyboard than it is with a microphone. And I find that incredibly powerful, so much so that, like I said, I, I've come to the point where is moving beyond the, the trio that you talked about at the beginning, writing with words, writing with sound, writing with dynamic content, meaning video and so on. Now I'm using, like I said before, the audio is, is part of the ideation process where they are drafting papers or sections of projects through the microphone and then getting the transcripts through a service like Otter and then manipulating those words that are generated that way. And they are, they're, they're moving past the barriers that they used to feel, including, um, well, in, including writer's block. They're far less prone to writer's block when they create first with audio, which I think is astounding. 
It, it's a small group of people so far that's reported that, but wow, what a what a powerful sense of possibility that comes from that as a teacher. When I think about what the possibility is down the road for exploring how to make more of that, well, as I say, that's that that's a a, a, a cool space then for for a future project, and I wonder if it has something to do, kind of as an aside here, that you know often when when i introduce these projects or you know to students um there's there's a couple of concerns but i think one of the biggest ones is i don't like listening to myself on right on, right but i think you're right what what happens is is most students get over that pretty quickly and discover that i've got a voice right like like there's like like i have something to say and and i think part of that is empowering them to be able to tackle topics and, and situations and, and, and context that they, you know, where, where there's some exploration, where they feel comfortable or they have curiosities, um, right. Where, where they feel like they can make a contribution. I think that's a moment that we can linger on too. Um, because when they come in, in my experience, like they are very like nervous. A, like you said, they don't necessarily like the sound of their own voice, but they've never heard it recorded on good equipment before. And there's lots of aspects to that. But then they're also extremely aware that speaking it out loud in a way that's being recorded is a an ownership. It is a movement towards. So we we use authenticity. We use that word in a lot of different ways, but it has a layered set of meanings. And um so they realize they're owning something in a way that um, they're nervous to at first. And the idea that I'm an expert and it's like, look, who else is expert in your own life? Um, and getting them to like say, look, you, you have a right to your experience and its value as much as anybody else. And so I feel like there's a way that that is a, um, and giving them some agency in a sense of we have to kind of uh, really support them in developing that idea that they have um, agency and that they can make a difference. I want to jump in with one last thought on the thread on experience before we transition into some of these other threads. And it's that jumping off of what the two of you are saying right here, I get to experience my students in a way that I've never had the opportunity before. I get to see them, hear them, and to understand what they find meaningful. And I can, I can hear if they're excited. I can hear when they're not. <laughs> I can, um, you know, there, there's so much dimension that comes through on these recorded assignments that it transforms my sense of their their connection with the work, but it also transforms my sense of the content that they are constructing. And that again is one of those things where once upon a time it was having students reflect on a project and reading that reflection in, in concert with doing the final evaluation of it. I would see their struggles. I would hear them talking about things. And sometimes it sounded kind of fake and sometimes it sounded really authentic, but that does not even begin to compare to hearing them talk about it and and to hearing them express their delight, their frustration, their whatever it is that they have to express. And again, it helps me experience them in ways that returns to them a sense of humanity that it's easy to leave behind when you're grading 
a page or a screen. And it's a constant reminder that there's a, there's a human being on the other side of this coming at me. And I've always tried to, to strive to maintain that sense, but you can't ignore it with one of these audio-driven assignments. It's impossible to shut down the, the awareness of their humanity on the other side of it. I think that's a good point. And, and may, maybe this is um, a, a moment where we can, we can back up and, and, and maybe create some distinction between what we mean by podcast and audio <laughs> production. So, so podcast by definition, right. is is kind of a, a serial episodic um, show that, that is, is usually some kind of theme based, right. And that, that, that podcast uh, existent on platforms that there are then distributed and, and, and uh, reach an audience. Uh, but then we're also talking, so we're talking about that, but then we're also talking about um, audio production work that, that, that may not be episodic, that may not be uh, distributed to a wide audience, uh, but that is often done um, in, in conjunction with uh, a project that, 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 you know, Bill's already talked about uh, using it as part of an ideation or invention strategy. He's talked about it as, as, being part of a reflective activity. Uh, we've, we've used this kind of audio production work in like research when students bring in um, interviews with focus groups or individuals. Um, and then it's almost always done in conjunction with other kinds of information design or writing work, right? So even in like the, um, the podcasting projects that I have, uh, writing is a huge component uh, and done, you know, parallel to, but often in the background, right? So where the podcast may be the shiny piece that goes out, right? There's all sorts of, of, of written deliverables or written aspects that happen in the background to create that podcast as well. So, right, we see that these productions are, um, you know, done in conjunction with other kinds of uh, modalities like, like textual production or hybrid, right? Steve's holding up science in front of the camera right now. <laughs> so riff on that, Steve. Um, well, I just was like, it's just great how Scott was pointing out that these things are never assigned. They, they never exist in any kind of isolation. And so much that we're always sort of using different medias to help plan, discover, and then you use all these different sort of materials to work through the project, but then you end up recording it. You have to go back and forth. So there's, there's always a lot of going back and forth between media and transformation of what you're doing and rethinking its purpose. So it's a potent um, uh, revision and development tool. So it can work in as ideation, but boy, um, having to listen to it over and thinking about uh, the different sort of ways the audio has an effect for people makes you rethink your planning rethink uh, what effect you're going for so it of course has a potent sort of rhetorical sensibility to it well and on that note like i have assignments now built into my classes where like i just indicated we we begin with nothing and we start you know, we, so we begin with audio and we get to text from there but i also have them try their hand at writing a script and then recording that script and we, when we go back and forth between those two different ways of beginning the process, do, do I record from an outline? Do I record from a script? 
Am I generating ideas on the fly as I go with with maybe again, you know, a, a, a direction or, or a set of mileposts that I'm going to be exploring? But they begin to see that there's a very different sense of voice and quality and um, and sometimes authenticity. But there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of differences that emerge depending on how you begin the process and and what the outcome is when you when you're going back and forth between text and audio. And I like when I get to the point where I can see them comparing and contrasting those things and beginning to recognize that each of those is a tool that they can use very deliberately in specific situations, depending on what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And so it goes beyond a sound or a podcast as a document or as a genre, and it has become part of their toolkit where now they begin to recognize, hey, this works differently based on how I conceive of it and how I execute it. And that's a much better place for them to be at when they're going to leave us and go become professionals outside of the academy because now it's just something that's part of the process for them. It's, it becomes more, more embedded in their sense of possibility as professionals. And that's something that I think is a really incredible level for them to get to or an incredible milestone for them to reach. Well, it helps build what what we've talked a lot about in other contexts. Build this idea of of the bricolure, right? And 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 providing them with a a knowledge base, a skill set, if you will, of a variety of ways of tackling problems, and not just in the the sort of final deliverable, but just also in the process. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I guess in, in that way, right? We think about the hybridity of of those of those methods. And, and what each offers um, and how students might think through them in, in ways to tackle projects you know, in the workplace. Um, certainly if they can apply some of that stuff beyond the context of the assignments that we give. Um, and, and I think of that way, like that's, that's often where, where I want students to get is to think about audio, not as, not as separate or, or, or something else, or, or even to, to, to run it completely parallel with, with like a writing process, but to think about it as, as a different tool in, in their problem-solving kit. Absolutely. For sure. One of our earliest grads from the program way back when, middle, middle aughts, and uh, when she went to, to go work for and started making video tutorials for a company, like, and actually before that, when she was working for the health organization, like the, the key lesson that she brought to give presentations was um, how important audio is, how much time she spent working on audio and the ways that that came across. So, Steve, you have, especially in the last few months, in the, well, in the last semester or two, you've really invested more in this notion of the audio exploration for your students in, and you've begun recording interviews where quite frankly, I've just been absolutely astounded at some of the stuff that comes out of it. The, the, the student voice in those moments has been rich and powerful and so invested in the moment of reflection that shows an understanding of communication that I'm not used to hearing from undergrads, especially. And he, I mean, you know, you've got a mix of undergrad and graduate students, but talk a little bit, if you would, about 
how you've constructed that experience and you know the 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 steps that have led them into that and the kinds of things that you're seeing from them that excite you so i think um there's a number of ways i've mainly used the podcasting so far as um sort of reflections and expressions of lessons that the students either have already had or things that we've worked on in other ways and if you compare that to sort of reflections that they do in writing, um, just like we have, as Scott and Bill have already said, there's a sort of a different sense of authenticity and a different sense of, of ownership that the students bring to it. Now, last fall, when I did this with sort of an introduction to professional writing class, um, the project that we sort of used as a springboard into the kind of podcast was designed in many ways to sort of um, help students think more hybridly about their own um, awareness, try to move there. So, so we did a literacy narrative that was really a, you know, a regular old literacy narrative. Like how did you, what's a, pick out a moment when you really had an aha moment about reading and writing. But then we did a second literacy narrative that's about another domain of their experience or expertise and pick out an aha moment. And the key to that was getting them to think of it not as uh, mechanical, but to think about it as contextual. So those aha moments that you have aren't when you learn just what exactly do I am I supposed to do, but what is everybody else doing? What's the goal of the organization? What's the goal of the group? And um, so then the idea was in and having them draw sort of comparisons between these, because of course, professional writing, the move is from writing as an individual to writing as a part of a community, try to create a community, support a community, develop relationships with coworkers, customers, and just a very different sort of from the idea of rhetoric of winning everybody over and all in my interest to what's a communal interest look like and how do you sort of negotiate that? But then what we did for the podcast was I paired them up and asked them to talk about their moment of realization of in their other areas of experience. And they had to tell that story and then draw comparisons across those. And that was fantastic because getting them into their own areas of experience is that's the closest they get to sort of feeling like a professional already, that they're sort of owning something. And then in trying to draw comparisons across those, you know, one of my favorite uh, articles for forever has been this Susan Hard Harkness Regley piece where she talks about the core expertise of a technical communicator is invention. But the idea that we usually use of invention of discovery of the available means is a lame sort of definition. And as she, she calls it elaborate communication, I like to call it system comparison. And that's what these students do. And they did it well. And they do it in a way, um, as we've said, when they use their own voice and they get excited talking about a coach or a teacher or a coworker who meaningfully engaged with them and helped them learn the ropes, like you can't. Like at one level, you're sort of not able to fake those moments and that really comes across. And so um, it does add 
many layers to this idea of how like the students are like, there's many ways to try to talk about liminal or hybridizing experiences, their knowledge in these areas, they see it as tacit or just occupational. It's stuff they don't even know they know, or they think it doesn't transfer. And what has happened in these moments is they realize, oh, wow, this can transfer and it is comparable. And then the fact that you're capturing them in a conversation actually doing that there's a there's a yeah it's it becomes a moment itself of realization of the ways that um yeah knowledge and what was it that uh oh shoot like the most the best thing the most portable thing is a good theory and so in a way what we're doing with that knowledge is helping them theorize their own experience and professionalize it and recognize the ways that it can transfer and compare. And that's one of the sort of key lessons, you know, for all of our sort of professional writing program, not just that sort of introductory one. Right. Well, tied to that, one of the parallels that I've done is I've had students in um, professional development classes that are focused on identity. So like, uh, you know, getting ready to graduate, who am I, what do I want to do with my life? What kind of problems do I want to solve? When I get them on mic in those kinds of courses, it, it parallels the kinds of things that you are talking about coming out of the class that, that you're um, sharing with us. And to hear the confidence to express a sense of authority, to claim expertise. And then one of the other things that I've done in that class when I've taught it is, um, and I can only do this because they're majors and because they're in a lot of classes together so that by the time they get to that class and it's toward the end of their academic career, they're able to do this authentically and effectively. I have them record a contribution to like a, an evaluation or a review of one of their colleagues in the class, imagining the scenario is, okay, so you've just finished your first year working together in, in your, in your entry-level position. Um, what did that colleague accomplish in the last year that you want to celebrate? That's kind of the way that I set it up. And the things that they say about one another and the things that they recognize in terms of ability and and authority and expertise in one another is off the charts. I mean, it, like I, I get shivers sometimes listening to them talk about one another because I realize how much depth there is to their experience of one another in their it, it, like in the context of the program, and that they learn to trust one another in ways that I wasn't sure was really happening, but then you hear it expressed and you think, oh my goodness how have I not been doing this for my entire career? Because this is, this is such golden stuff to listen to. This past, uh, actually summer semester. Um, yeah. So our opening assignment was a sort of an introduction to each other and their own student expertise and to sort of connect. So why, why should you know this about me? So it, it takes introduction and, and takes it from that sort of uh, performative act and makes it to an act of connection. Right. But um, the similar kind of thing where I ask them, what do you owe each other as students? And for them to sort of come around to the idea that like, oh, yeah, we kind of and it's funny because there have been a bunch of hilarious uh, phrases that have come out of the summer class. But one of their key ones is friendship is magic. And that's <laughs> that's become one of the one of their sort of buzzwords as they've gone through this uh, short summer term. It's very Harry Potter. <laughs> so 
be, because friendships are magic, um, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about how, right. We can move or how we have moved from incorporating projects and assignments. Like you've just talked about Steve, um, and building that into an entire podcasting course. And so for Bill and I, right, this, as, as we kind of alluded to earlier in the conversation, um, you know, these, these kinds of audio projects, uh, podcasting projects, um, you know, started, you know, very much in this sort of, Hey, let's try this thing out or, 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 you know, I'm thinking about doing this and let's incorporate this into, um, you know, a, a particular course. The benefit we have have at SVSU, I think, and, and well, and Steve has this too, is that right? There's there's a, a program that exists uh, around professional technical communication that allows us to think about different places in in that curriculum where an audio project might fit in really well. Bill talked about it in his professional development course. He's talked about it in in the uh, in the in the capstone course, which is an advanced problem solving course. Um, but as a lot of this stuff started to gain momentum in, in that curriculum, uh, we recognized that there is a space where we could pull in an entire podcasting course that in fact, we saw it as such core to what we had been doing that it, it, it almost seemed um, necessary to, to expose students to a, a podcasting and audio production experience really early on in, in the program. Um, and so we developed a, a 200 level podcasting course that we piloted in, in a couple of different instances. Uh, so I first taught uh, like a, pod, a, a, a course with a podcasting as a significant component in a multimedia writing special topics course I developed. And then I pulled uh, in podcasting as the primary component in an emerging media course. And in both of those instances, Right, I was able to kind of tweak and refine, and that ultimately led to uh, sort of what we developed for the podcasting course that we were eventually able to work through the curriculum approval pro uh, process at SVSU and and was officially on the books for last fall, of course, the, the, the first year that I was not <laughs> on, on faculty there. So Bill's had the opportunity of teaching that class. Um, have you taught once or twice now, Bill? I'll be teaching it for the second time in this coming fall, and I'll add in that the last winter semester prior to it becoming official, our colleague Brad Herzog taught special topics as podcasting. So we have, we've got four courses that have been offered either with a, a complete focus or a really like most of the focus was on podcasting and the, and the fifth one will be this fall. Right. And, and, and to our knowledge, and we, you know, we did, we did a, a fair amount of exploration in developing that there were no other programs, professional technical writing programs in the country that we saw had a dedicated podcasting course. If we're inaccurate and you do have one audience listeners, uh, please reach out because we'd love to uh, hear about it or take a look at it. Uh, we'd be very interested in, in learning more and, and, and kind of comparing notes uh, if you will. Um, but you know, it, it, it seems to be um, if not one of a kind, then few of a kind. Uh, and again, it, it seemed to, be core to the values that we had developed over about a decade of incorporating these in. And, and from that then, right, it, it, it became part of a, of a minor program that we also developed in community journalism and digital publishing. So that became a core course in that minor uh, as well as 
a featured course in the professional technical writing major. And there were definitely some, some challenges and conceptions along the way, but I think the way that we configured the course was to give students that exposure early on in their, in their education in the program and, and, and having them see how audio work um, will build throughout their, their uh, time in the program. When they get introduced to it really early in the program, they begin to recognize that between their entry into the program and their graduation from the program, they see it as an integral part of, okay, I need to know how to do this, this, this stuff. And of course, and we also hear back from our alumni. We've got a number of alumni that are um, participating in podcast production in professional contexts who are doing a lot of video work. Uh, whether that's instructional video or customer support kinds of video and where audio is of course a, a significant component of that. And they are recognizing that that kind of knowledge, one, at least in some markets, it distinguishes them from their competition when they're trying to secure employment. Um, but two, it becomes something where they feel like it's, it's a way that they can contribute in a workspace setting that they maybe wouldn't have thought of as a possibility before. So where before where the, the automatic assumption would be print document, website, PDF. Now they're looking at, hey, maybe we need a podcast. Maybe we need a screencast video. Maybe we need some sort of live demo or recorded demo of, of something, um, you know, where, where now it just becomes another part of the toolkit. Like again, coming back to that sense of bricolage, what do we have available to us? What's going to have impact? What are the needs and expectations of the people? And again, how do we shape an experience of content instead of a document? And, and that, that podcasting course sets the stage, so to speak, for them to be able to explore those things with more confidence, with more authority, and, I mean, just as designers, with more effect because they, they are coming to it with prior knowledge. It's a potent gateway drug. It is. It really is. Right. I mean, they they see you know, see in here these effects that the audio can have, and then um, it's hard not to like shake the idea that now I have choices. So I want to design for particular experiences, and actually they will be thinking about the sort of dimensions of experience where before that. They, that really didn't occur to them. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, I think for us, like in some ways we wanted to put our money where our mouth was, right. That we, if, if we, if we valued <laughs> what students were doing. I see in, what in you those, did there. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> um, but I, I, right. I mean, in, in contemporary careers, right. Like audio as a skill set is important, but we also see that a lot of, a lot of students, um, are interested in ways that they can connect with audiences outside of of school, whether this is through some sort of social media presence or or their ability to to um, you know have and cultivate um, you know a, a, a podcast and 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 create a show or or you know that that's episodic that that draws people in that that helps them engage with their with their interests and. Early on, when I started bringing this stuff into to my courses, I did a lot of podcast listening myself, and I, in particular, I listened to 
podcasts about podcasting. And one of the themes that kind of kept on coming up in those uh, as they encouraged, as the host encouraged people to to start their own podcast, just kind of sit down and, and get going, uh, was this notion that 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 everybody has a voice and everybody has things that they're interested in and that, right, sharing those things that you can help cultivate some kind of audience, however big or small, you know, and, and that the, the sort of passion behind it was, was kind of the allure, the draw. And, and for me, um, you know, nowadays, I mean, the joke kind of seems to be like, well, everybody has a podcast, right. Who doesn't have a podcast, but that's still kind of, of, of the, of the beauty of it. Right. And, and Steve, you talked about, I mean, in some ways, you know, this, this is the, 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 the equity of being able to share your voice to, to have the opportunity to, to create something that, that shares your interest, your passions, your knowledge with an audience uh, is, is really powerful. And I think it speaks to where a lot of students are and want to go as they work through education that complements the other things that they're doing in their coursework. I think in one way that uh, it's kind of the wrong question to say that everybody has a podcast. No, it's the idea is more if you cultivate an audience or you cultivate a community and like the idea of the way in, in trying to put that out there, you can't just, you do have to sort of figure out how do I speak right for these people who are right. My brethren, my, uh, the people who share my interest and my, uh, and that, and like you said, the passion that comes through when people are doing that, um, there does have to be kind of an interesting shift that we've been talking about this idea of rhetoric of the community versus the rhetoric of the individual and the ways that that sort of plays out. And a lot of podcasts point that out in different ways that many podcasts, a great, great, great number of podcasts will have multiple speakers. Yeah. And so all those things sort of suggest, right, the it's being the author or authenticity in a bunch of ways is as much being a member of a particular community as it is like sort of look at me as an individual kind of thing. Well, and if you think back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, ways that students, especially writing students in whatever kind of writing program they might be in, one of the ways that they might connect outside of the university while they were still university students was through blogging. And it was a way for them to, to find self-expression, but also to find, um, for some of them at least, to explore what it means, like you just said, Steve, to connect with an audience, to create a sense of community. And, and they're, they're practicing things that we can only hope that they'll find a way to explore in the context of, a, of an assignment delivered in a class. They're doing it on their own. Well, podcasting has replaced blogging for most of them as the idea, oh, if I want to express myself, this is the way to do it. I don't want to blog. I want to podcast. And I think that's a really cool thing for them to see how this thing that they already have a connection with outside of the university, most of them anyway, when they make that connection with it inside the university, suddenly they can bridge those worlds and they can do it in ways that they haven't really necessarily thought of doing before. And now they've learned how to do production at least in the courses that we're teaching. So we give them the means to sound more authoritative, authentic, and professional when they're doing that work and trying to connect with and create for audiences. Well, I'll speak for myself here because I, I, I don't want to, or I want to be clear that like there, there's still in, in many cases access issues that exist and 
um, you know, barriers that exist for, um, you know, for, for everyone. Right. So very universal, everyone, uh, that said, you know, what, what, what I try to do knowing that, um, you know, in some ways, like, you know, equipment is, is a barrier for a lot of students. Um, so when I teach a podcast course, for example, I, I don't have a textbook instead. Uh, what I, what I have students do is, is purchase some professional audio equipment. And I have a list of like different layers, like different tiers, um, you know, so sort of like, here's a base on it. And often, right. Students can get started um, with some pretty decent equipment, right. That, that blows you know, the socks off of their, their, um, you know, internal computer microphone for under a hundred dollars. Right. So for about the price of a textbook, um, right. They can have some, some good quality equipment. And then of course, right. They, it kind of goes up from there depending on their level of engagement and, and their, and their budget. Right. I think certainly more so now than yeah, 10 years ago, uh, it, it, you can find equipment that, that, you know, won't break the bank for most college students. And the gamers, um, headsets and different things that students have, I mean, they're not as good as the really nice mics, but they're not bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in a pinch, I would definitely say I mean, they, they tend to come across in most cases as, as being a little bit more flat and stale in, in their dynamic range. Um, but right. I mean, if, if that's what a student has available to them, um, you know, certainly it, it's better than your internal microphone. Humble beginnings right. are just fine. Yeah. I mean, we started using right. $20 uh, dynamic mics uh, when we started recording some of the podcasts we did, you know, 10 years ago, Bill Yep. and writing like an, like an $80 mixing board right so right. um you know there was nothing super fancy about about what we had then um and and yeah i mean it was, it was those humble beginnings but um you know i i, I definitely think that there's um more access uh affordable access now than than there than there has been in the past well gentlemen do you think we are ready to to bring this home what do we want to leave with yeah. leave people with as our final thoughts on this well, for me, I, I, I'm, I'm always interested, we talk about cultivating a community. So I'm always interested in, in, in A, hearing what other people might be doing um, and, and how they might be incorporating some of these audio projects into their, into their courses, into their curriculum. Uh, and then certainly I'm willing to answer any questions and share materials uh, that people might uh, you know, want or, or, or need. Or... On that note, I've run across so many people in the last, well, probably five, six years especially, that didn't know how to begin or didn't think that they could begin and, 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 or would have never thought I could do that. You know what, if, if that's where you're at, but this sounds intriguing to you and, and the pedagogical implications are incredible and diverse, reach out to us, talk to us because you know, collectively, individually, we're absolutely happy to help support the, the explorations of colleagues in, into this venue because there's so much possibility that comes from it. And everything that I would say about this is that, like, figure out ways to do it with low stakes, and you will be surprised what high rewards you get from low stakes. So instead of doing your reflections on different learning or different activities in written form, like, have them do, or at least part of it, as something where they actually speak it and have them have conversations with that among classmates so that they do their own shop talk about um, the things that they're learning and that to get them to say that they are owning what they're learning in the class. The number of times that I've heard a student record 
or like a student group as they break down into giggles or something like that and say, I wonder what Dr. Bill will think of this. (laughs) (laughs) He'll love it. (laughs) And those are in many ways the best sort of moments, right? Oh yeah. When you hear, when you hear that, like, yeah, friendship is magic. Like we are, (laughs) you community doesn't happen in uh, no space. There has to be that sort of shared space that they sort of create and develop through those interactions. And, that's where the magic happens. Is it too late to go back and change the title of our presentation? <laughs> I think what you just said should stay in the talk. <laughs> well, hey, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please feel free to reach out to, to any or all of us. Uh, we hope you enjoy Computers and Writing 2023, and we look forward to seeing you all down the road. Yeah, take it easy, everybody. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>